Thank you so much, uh, Candy. Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm grateful that I'm back again um, to be part of uh, this fellowship. As Candy has mentioned, my name's uh, Moses Ndahiro, and uh, she did a fantastic job of uh, pronouncing it uh, in a unique way. <laughs> Uh, I bring you greetings from um, my family and uh, the bigger World Relief family. Uh, a president knows that I'm here and uh, he asked me to bring his warm greetings to you and say thank you so much for your um, unwavering support and commitment to the work that God has called World Relief to do. So we are grateful. I've also come here with my colleague Mark and um, he has been helping me. So Mark, I'm grateful that uh, you've done a fantastic job of uh, orienting me to this city. Um, today, as uh, Kendi has mentioned, we are going to be uh, looking at uh, simplicity and generosity. And uh, when they asked me to share about simplicity and generosity, I thought, I need to learn this myself. I need to be generous and be more simple. But by the grace of God, I'll share what God has put on my heart, and uh, I think together with the Holy Spirit who will guide us and uh, edify us this morning. Uh, the spiritual disciplines uh, are for our purposes. They are to uh, help us grow, but they're also to help us be an answer to the broken world. Uh, the spiritual disciplines have learned that uh, it's a path, it's not the destination. It's a path to the throne as we were singing this morning that uh, if we get on these uh, disciplines, God will bless us. And God wants to bless us and he wants to use us so that we can be an answer to the hopeless, the lonely, and the least of this world. And God wants to use each one of us. The spiritual disciplines are not for the bishops, the archbishops, I come from a country where titles mean a lot. <laughs> and uh, they're for everyone. The spiritual disciplines are not for the spiritual giants only, but everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ is required to uh, do his best to comply and learn these spiritual disciplines. And on this journey, uh, we are getting on together um, I wanted us to look at uh, scripture that was shared this morning as we look at simplicity and generosity uh, in 1 Timothy uh, 6.10. And uh, scripture told us this morning that, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The world we live in today requires us to have a lot, a lot of things. And we live in a world that is um, very divided, very uh, defined by lots of inequality. Uh, previous years in my country, there was lots of inequality between people. Today in the world, there's lots of inequality between the haves and the have-nots. There is a, a big challenge today where we have people who are not unique. 
people, you're, you're very, it's very hard to know is this person wealthy or this person is poor. Because sometimes we fake who we are because we want to, com um, to conform to what the pressures of the world are trying to push us. So there's a crisis in people understanding contentment and defining what is contentment. And on my journey, I think the biggest challenge I have encountered as a follower of Jesus Christ is to define what is enough for Moses. It is easy to define in the different programs that we work on to say this will be enough for these people. It is easy to define enough for others, but it's very difficult to define enough for ourselves, correct? And it's always a constant struggle for we as followers of Jesus to know what is enough, what will be the definition of contentment. The word was telling us this morning that we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. And this is the truth. On the 25th of August when I was born, I had nothing. And it's the same to each one of us that when we surfaced in this world, we really had nothing. And the day will come and we'll really take nothing. But on the journey, I don't know what happens. We get so stuck to things. We get identified by things. We don't want to give them away. I've had the opportunity to visit several places in the US. There's a lot of stuff in this nation. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> There are lots of things, and God has been so gracious and has blessed this nation. And we are going to leave it all behind. Today, this morning, God is telling us, how do we be generous? But before we get to even being generous, there's something that needs to be done. Before you get to be generous, there's something that needs to happen. Now, before we understand what, what the prerequisite to being generous, one, being simple does not mean you don't have things. Simplicity is not that you do not have enough material things. Because you can miss the discipline of simplicity when you're even in lack. Because simplicity, it is the matter of the heart that is expressed outwardly. And working in vulnerable communities, I've seen that even the poor people we serve are living a life that does not equate to the discipline of simplicity. You can be very poor and very poor at this discipline as well because your heart is longing for things. Your heart is not content. So just because we, you do not have things does not mean that you're living a, a life or living the discipline of simplicity. We've lived in communities where people are killing each other for things. They don't have nothing but they're killing each other for even the little they have. Now, that community, you can't say that these people are living the discipline of simplicity. I'm saying this so that we do not equate the discipline of simplicity 
to having things or to not having things. Simplicity, it is the inward reality, the inward understanding and the inward overflow of joy that comes from the relationship that we can only have with our Lord Jesus Christ. And once that is at our heart, then there is the next step of understanding, okay, how do I use what God has given me to be a blessing to other people? Uh, one of the scriptures that I wanted to share this morning is also in Matthew 6. Uh, it's a common scripture that you all know. Matthew 6, 25. It talks about not being anxious. Let me read this for us this morning. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bands, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his pan of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arid like one of these but if God so closes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the, evil, into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them more. Verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added and to you. The question we are having that after we've read these scriptures, how do we replenish our buckets of simplicity and our buckets of generosity? After you've done an evaluation and have realized that I need to live a more life which is simple, I need to live this value, and I need to be more generous, what should we do? We've seen here that the biggest challenge, the biggest barrier is worry. People worry, worry a lot. We worry about food, we worry about our children, we worry about our vehicles, we worry about lots of things. There are big, big issues around us, and we are always concerned. But the scripture is telling us, let us not worry about this. Let us first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and the rest will follow us. You may ask yourself, how do I know I'm seeking first the kingdom of God? Well, one of the ways you can know that you're seeking first the kingdom of God is to look at how do you invest your time, your talents, and your treasures. Where do they all go? Do they go first to the kingdom of God? When you look at your time, and when you look at your gifts that God has given you, and when you look at all the treasures that God has given you, are they always working fast towards the heavenly treasures? Are you investing it in the heavenly treasures? And when you talk about heavenly treasures, those are people surrounding you, the most vulnerable people around you. Are we using, are we being a blessing? Are we investing 
And if not, then we need to learn how to do more. But I think what scripture is telling us that today, before we start being generous, before we start living a simpler life, Christ is saying we need to first seek him first and his kingdom. And that is using whatever we have, spending time with him, using our wealth, using our gifts towards the kingdom work that he has uh, given to all of us. Now, you may be wondering, okay, how can I practically do this? Uh, There are different opportunities. I believe Bethany Community Church has different ways where you can use um, your gifts. There are different ministries. I always, uh, the work I do with World Relief in Rwanda, we believe that everyone created in the image of God can do something. You do not have to be a missionary going overseas and living there 30, 40 years to be used by God. You can be used by God today, even serving. I was reading this, uh, the papers last night, and I've realized that Seattle also has its own problems. As much as there is rapid growth, there's lots of homeless people in this city. And the problem is not getting less, it's actually becoming bigger. And we can be a blessing to these people. And that's only what I could read, but I can imagine there are many other social problems in this community. And because of the disciplines that we are learning and because of the call on our lives, God wants, us, wants to use us to be a blessing to the people. In Rwanda, the work we do, 40% of our population, they live below the poverty line. That means they can't make a dollar and 25 cents per day. But we challenge these people to do something. People save 25 cents a week, and God is doing amazing things in their lives. And I believe that at least people who live in the US, they can save more than 25 cents a week, correct? We can do better than that. Now, if we can do that, then we can really transform because we've had many great stories of people are being transformed just by being there and taking what you have. So one is if we understand and seek the kingdom of God first, that's a great step towards replacing worries, anxiety with freedom. Now, what do we mean by freedom? Freedom, understanding and how you fight anxiety and having freedom, one begins by the understanding that actually everything we have is a gift from God. Job in 121 said, I came naked into this world. He gave me all these things and he has taken them. So whatever we have, God can take any time he wants to. And we've seen this several times. You always hear about earthquakes, you hear about floods. We are not immune from these things. It can always happen to us. But the key thing is that nothing can take our place in the Lord. And that's where we have our refuge. And that's where we have, that's where the anchor of our faith is. It is in Christ Jesus. So if by understanding that everything we have was provided to us by the Lord, it is not that we were very smart. It's not that we worked so hard. There are other people who work very hard and they don't even have a coat of what you have. Yet they work. So it's not that you work hard or you work smarter. 
It's because of the grace of God that we have what we have. Next is to understand that God cares about what you have. If you have children, I always think I am, at times I struggle by trying to be the God of my children. And I think I can do everything. I think I love them better than the God who has created them. But as I actually went through this scripture, I realized that God cares about Lucas, my firstborn, and Leanna and Lael more than I do. He has plans for them before I even met with my wife. So why should I worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to, where they're going to study? It is a responsibility as a parent. But I should understand that as much as I have that responsibility, God cares more than I do. And that helps me to replace and have freedom and reduce my mind and say, you know, whatever happens, God, you, everything is under your control. And that's the hardest thing to let go. At times as parents, as we grow and become more responsible, at times we do not want things to go. But the last thing is if you're able to share with others what you have, that's another step towards freedom from things. Some people do not want to share. It is very, very important that we share what we have. Share your money, share your gifts, share your time with people. God will bless you. In Rwanda, the work we do because of the nature of the problems we have, we've realized that uh, we cannot always wait for external support. As much as it is, it is important, we have to do something from within ourselves. And what we've done is to mobilize an army of volunteers in the local church. We've talked to the pastors and told them, Pastor, you cannot do everything. You're not going to preach, baptize, marry, bury, visit the sick and do agriculture and do savings and do marital counseling. You cannot do this by yourself. But everyone in the image of God has gifts and God can use them uniquely to do something in the community. So what we've done is one of the programs we have is a savings group where we bring these people who are making a dollar and 25 cents per day and we ask them, you need to save. And they're like, we don't even have enough to eat today. How are you telling us to save? And we tell them, look here, you're going to be a group of 25. You will save 25 cents in a week. That gives you a dollar after a month. After 10 months, you'll have $10. But in the midst of that, because you're 25, you'll have $250. You're able to get a loan of $40 or $50, and you can buy a goat, you can pay tuition for your children, you can buy a door, you can um, buy a piece of land where you can do farming. But you cannot do this by yourself. And collectively, they've been able to move a step forward by breaking the barriers of access to finance, and they have now access to finance. But as they need, we always challenge them to save at least five cents in the social basket because we know 
on the journey of saving, things will happen. One will have to give birth, your child will fall sick, and you do not want to use the little savings to meet those needs. So they have put aside a few cents that they use to meet their social needs. And that's the way we are challenging them to be more generous and giving to the community within themselves. And it has been amazing to see how God wants to use whatever is in our hands. Now, as we talk about generosity, we've first spent time understanding and seeking the kingdom of God. With that presence and with that hunger and with that uh, need to be in the face of God, your heart gets to be overflowed by joy. And it is out of the overflowing of joy that we start to give. That's in the midst of our poverty. Because when you go and visit these people in the community, it is amazing to see the joy within the people. It's not that they have a lot, but it's because of Christ who lives within them that in the midst of all, in the midst of scarcity, they have joy. Now, when you have overflowing joy, you're able to give you're able to think of how can you be a blessing to other people. And through this journey of giving and understanding how you want to be a blessing is you cannot give, you cannot overflow with the blessings to other people if you have not given yourself first. Let us see what scripture tells us in Second Corinthians where we are asked to... Uh, First, give ourselves before we can give anything to uh, the people. We are called to serve. Second uh, Corinthians eight uh, talks about verse. Let me begin from verse uh, three. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace. Out of the overflow of joy at the beginning, of uh, this scripture, we realize that generosity, to happen, we have to first give ourselves to the Lord. Verse five, as we saw it, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. As they gave themselves first to the Lord, then they gave according to what each person had. You give yourself first to the Lord, and then you give according to what you have. It's good at times people are able to give. You can give to the homeless community, but it is more important when you give yourself to the homeless people. It is good to send money, but it is more beautiful if you invite someone to the table to share a meal. Because the people we serve at times long more for relationship. They long more for someone who can give an, them an ear 
to cry and share what they're doing. So the more we give ourselves to the Lord, the more you're able to give yourself to others. And out of that, then we can be able to give even from what God has blessed us with. But we also see it in what Christ and what our God did. He gave us his son. He became poor so that we could be rich. When I read this portion of the scripture, I asked myself, Moses, can you become poor for someone to be rich? Is it possible? Do I have even that understanding? Do I have that deep love to say, I can be willing to give, but so that these people can have an overflow, that they can at least have a meal. It's a question to ask ourselves, what am I doing? How am I being generous to the people with needs around us? Because it is very, very important. I've never seen the sense of of fulfillment that comes out of giving. When I was still, when I finished college, I used to work for a Canadian company as a computer engineer and the money I made before I transitioned to uh, serving the churches in Rwanda, I used to have some savings. But as I started to serve the church, I realized fulfillment comes by seeing changed lives. And because I had seen how the church had changed my life, my conviction is the church is the hope of the communities and of the world that we need because the church meets your spiritual needs, meets your economic needs, meets your social needs, and it's at the center of every community. As I always share with people, in the communities where we work, there are two institutions that people visit each day. They visit the local bar or they visit the local church. (laughs) And of those two institutions, which one do you really need to empower to make sure that they are doing an integral mission or an integral service to the people in need? And we've seen that it is a local church. So on that journey, when I started the transition from the work of computers I was doing and heading into ministry, I had made some savings. So I was asked to go into a district which is like three hours away from uh, my home, and when I got in this district, I looked at the needs around. But I was still a young man. And in Rwanda, to be called a man, you should at least have a piece of land and should have a house. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, these things I didn't have, and I was growing, but I had some money on the account. But looking at the needs and what I had seen the church do, in the communities of people I served, I started a local church. In my house, in the small place I was renting, I called people, we started fellowshipping. Now I realized we were growing. People were coming. What I did, the little man I had, we rented a property, but it was one of the difficult decisions I've ever made in my life, to give away money as a young man, and you give it all. (laughs) But I've seen blessings that have come out of of that. 
God has been so good to me that out of that seed that I used to buy the keyboard that we used to buy rent for the first three months of the local building we were worshiping in, that ever since that time, God has created in me a deep desire of serving the most vulnerable people. And this comes because I've seen his goodness that the more you get involved into serving God's people, God also gets involved into meeting the needs of your people. But at times we do things vice versa that we focus more on our people and we forget the people that God has called us to serve. And God has been a blessing to me. Here I am in the United States, hallelujah. I have never thought that I would come to the U.S. I tried once when I was a young man and I failed miserably. (laughs) But by the grace of God, I'm able to come and witness what God is doing in this land and I'm able to make friends and I'm able to host and serve with the people of Bethany Community Church in here in the U.S. but also in Rwanda. It would not have happened if I had been obedient to him and listened that there is power in the local church. Now, friends, as I come to an end and challenging us to be more generous with what God has given us, not only money, but yourselves, because at times we need you more than we need your money. It is not to say money is not important. It is very important. But we need relationships. We need people who are going to listen and cry and walk with those hills. And that's why we are so encouraged when we receive teams from Bethany that when they come and they walk alongside the vulnerable people, at times people struggle with... I always answer the question when I meet people in the U.S. They're asking me, okay, you're asking us to come, but what are we going to do? And I'm like, uh, you should be asking yourself the question, what am I going to be? Because God is more interested in who we are than what we do. And we've seen people getting transformed, and we've seen not only the people who visit, but also the people you visit. Because we are interested in the being of the people we are serving than the doing of the projects with them. We have them, we do them, but it is a joy when you see Americans and the Rwandan people holding their hands, worshiping the Lord together. It is interesting and it is humbling when you see people coming into households and sitting and sharing a meal together and crying together. And that's what we want. And together, in unity and collaboration, God will show us what can we do together. So I ask that uh, as we think of how we can be generous, let us not be um, stopped by how much is on our accounts, by how much debts we have, by how much needs we have in our families. Let us start by our time that we have. Let us start by the gifts that God has given us. I've seen people use their skills of photography to give back. They don't have the money, but they make videos and they give them out. So there are sorts of ways we can be used to give. Now, as we give, one of the key things people give is, how do I understand the cause? What should I give to? Because there are many things that come to you asking, give, give, give. Many, many things come. 
you know? And that's one of the challenges we struggle with. How do I understand a true cause and a cause that is not going to glorify God? The key question we have to first unlock is that the church is not what it is today because of our money. God's work, God has a plan for his people. God has a plan, has a mission. And when we give, we are contributing towards his bigger plan. And it is a privilege if we understand that by giving, first of all, I'm not doing a favor to God, but it's a privilege as we, the scripture, the Macedonians saw it as a privilege to give. We should also see it as a privilege to give towards God's work. It's not a favor we are doing, but if we see it as a privilege, then it settles our understanding that if it is in the hands of God, it will honor and please his people. That's the first thing, but also we have to know that whatever we are doing should comfort our hearts if we know that at the end of the day, it's going to give glory to God and not give glory to you. Because at times I've seen different projects where people come and they want their names written somewhere. And we always challenge the people, like, are you giving for your glory or it's for the glory of God? If whatever we do, we have that deeper understanding, it's a very big step that God will have helped us to take towards understanding the cause that we are giving, that we are giving towards the cause established by God, and it's a privilege to be part of it, and all we want to see is giving back the glory to God. And I want to encourage you, as I close that uh, on this journey of giving and being, living a, a simple life, that God, in the midst of the week and the years to come, that he will create in us a deep hunger and thirsty to seek his kingdom. Because out of that, we'll overflow with joy. And with that joy, we'll be able to live a simple life of contentment and we'll be able to give generously what we have. But if you are not rooted in Christ, it's going to be challenging. And I want to challenge each one of us this morning that as we embark on this discipline of simplicity and generosity, that God will show us different ways how we can spend our time together with him cry before him and ask him for guidance and wisdom on how we can be good stewards of our time, our talents, and our treasure. Thank you so much. Let me ask that you stand up and then we pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be in your house. We cry out to you, Lord, that uh, you'll continue to use us as your vessels. Continue to speak to us how we can live simpler lives and how we can be generous with what you've given us, O oh Lord. If you can give us food and clothing, if you can, Lord, do that for the birds, what about us, O oh Lord? 
we pray, Father, that uh, you'll create in us a desire to understand the love that you have given us. And out of that, O oh Lord, we live a life filled with contentment. May our words and our actions continue to be those that will give hope to the hopeless. And may we continue to be salt and light in our communities. It's in Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen.